Hello and welcome to the Landed Podcast. I'm John Montgomery, co-founder of Landed, a travel company specializing in tailor-made journeys throughout Latin America and the Antarctic. At Landed, we're devoted to exploring these regions, searching out exceptional experiences and locations for our clients. The Landed Podcast profiles some of our favorite places and brings you conversations with friends we've made along the way, explorers, artists, and visionaries. If you're a repeat listener, welcome back. If you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. Imagine yourself on a journey. You're in a raw, wild landscape. Multicolored granite peaks and glacial blue lakes line the horizon. The scale of the scenes before you is epic, amplified, intensified, mythic. It's familiar, but new and surprising, like a waking dream. The distances are vast. In your core, you sense that you're at the edge of the known. Moving forward is a release, a letting go, and a reconnection with some part of you you'd forgotten. Now imagine being welcomed home here, entering a refuge from the wind and the wildness. A home that's fitting, appreciative of its surroundings. A place of warmth and rest. Your host greets you with a gentle smile, and you are invited into the heart of the house to relax and be restored. Refreshed, you look forward to your next adventure. Patagonia is the stuff of legend. It is adventure. Its proportions and beauty reset some inner director. It orients you to your proper place in the natural world. My guest today is someone who gets it. Someone who's fully embraced the spirit of Patagonia. His name is Valentin Virasoro, and on first meeting him, you may have the sense that you've been friends for years. Valentin has devoted his life to welcoming travelers here, to sharing what makes Patagonia singular and unforgettable. He lives in El Calafate, the deep south of Argentina, where steppe meets mountain, near Lago Argentino and the southern Patagonian ice field. By trade, he is the general manager of Eolo, as nearly perfect a small hotel as can exist in a real place. Valentin Virasoro, it's so great to talk to you. How have you been? Hey, John. Great to talk to you, too. I've been doing great after all this this month and very happy to, you know, to hear you and to, to learn about you after all these years. We're recording this in the North American springtime, which means it's almost winter in the deep south of Argentine Patagonia, where you're living. It is indeed. It's the beginning of the autumn, and it's actually my favorite season in Patagonia. Uh, so weather is changing, colors are fading, and days are getting shorter, which means we're getting to the end of our, our season. I hope it was a good season. I hope everything has come back strong after 2020 and 2021. It has. Uh, actually, it has been a great season, and we were expecting less, and we were quite surprised to 
to be working like we we used to before so extremely happy so you're my age we are the same age we are of the same vintage we say <laughs> but you're born and raised in in buenos aires you come from a big family what's a nice guy like you moving down to the lonely wastes of patagonia well same vintage that sounds that sounds good uh yeah i'm 51 years old i was born and raised in buenos aires uh i come from a very big family i have 10 siblings we are 11 in total so i was pretty much used to to being the the younger one so i was always left behind and looking after my my elder brothers and sisters so i i had the chance to travel to patagonia as a tourist myself and after working for many many years in in buenos aires and discovering patagonia i thought it was uh, an opportunity it was actually a very a very good opportunity and patagonia is a land of opportunities in a way yeah you, you've always been an explorer right i mean I think I began my exploring uh, after I moved to Patagonia. Yeah, I, I had a like a wish to explore the world, but until I, I started working in the hospitality industry, I, I didn't venture outside. So learning from other, other people's experiences, it gave me much more curiosity. And well, that's when I, I started traveling all around the world. And I think that was one of my biggest uh, attributes in a way to say, because, you know, it, it made me uh, more aware of people's needs and experiences and, you know, delivering the kind of experiences that they, they expected when, when coming to Patagonia. Sometimes it's hard when you're in tourism. It's a little bit like going to dinner at a restaurant with a chef you know you're very aware of what's going well and what's not going well do you think um, working in hospitality has made you a better traveler or in some ways has it made it more difficult i think it has made me yeah the best traveler because i get to understand the people much better so i don't get uh too pushy or too too demanding in a way because i know how it's like to be on the other side of the of the road so yeah yeah it's definitely uh, an advantage working in hospitality how, how did you get involved in the project in eolo eolo was like a like a dream to me you know, I first came into Patagonia and it was the first season Iolo had opened. And I used to drive past the road and see Iolo standing or perched on the, on the slope of the hill. And I remember driving by and saying, I want to work there. And it happened next year. Uh, Rodrigo, my, my boss, Rodrigo the, Brown. Rodrigo Brown. He, he called me out of, out of blue. Uh, I had only worked one season in, in Calafate. And so 
there must have been something that I did right in in town, in at the hotel in town I was working. So next year I I started working uh, in the project as a as a front desk manager actually, and Rodrigo saw the potential I guess, or I have to say humbly, and on the next season he offered me the chance to be the well the manager, which was a, a huge challenge for me because I hadn't I didn't have the experience. It was it was my first experience in hospitality, so. Accepted it. I was I was not young. I I was like thirty five years old at that time. Yeah. So it was a it was a huge challenge and and a huge honor. Well, he has an eye for things that work well. He did. Yeah. How long have you been there? If I'm not wrong, it's been fifteen years or so. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. It's, 15, 16, depends on, on this 2021 in which we were closed. We did not open. So, yeah, I missed one season. You know, someone stole me one of the, one of the good seasons. But, yeah, 16 years, indeed. I think my first meeting of you at the project was about 14 years ago. I came with my father. And uh, he was so excited to be there, you know, looking out over the Patagonian steppe and hearing the wind and far away at Estancia Alice, hearing the, the cattle lowing in the background and all the crazy jackrabbits that run around outside the lodge and the foxes. And we went for a ride with a guy named Maxi, and he took us down to one of the lakes to where the geese are. And... Uh, I don't know, just one of those moments that sticks with me that I'll probably always remember about my father. Yeah, I can, I can remember very clearly when you came with your father and we were just starting. I mean, we didn't know what we were doing, actually. Uh, we were delivering the kind of experiences that we, we thought uh, travelers wanted. So, yes, it is it's, it's also very strong in my mind. That, that year in which we first met. And there was like a, like a bond, like something that was created from that first moment. And then you came back with Erin and then you sent very good clients ever since. We sure love Eolo. It's, um, it's one of those places that I think about coming back to often. If you've not, Yeah, I know. If, I know Patagonia is very compelling, yeah. If people don't know much about southern Argentine Patagonia. What would you tell them about the place? How would you describe it to them? I think what attracts pe people most about Patagonia is the the myth that surrounds the the name itself. Patagonia has a strong magnetism in itself, and people want to travel to Patagonia, even though they do not know where they're going. So, and the most important thing here, and, and, and I think we, we have Ariolo, is the grandeur and the vastness and the open spaces. So it's, it's, there's many places in the world, of course, that you can see open, base, open spaces and vastness, but here is, it's very strong and it's very dramatic mm. in itself. Yeah. So uh, 
Oh, it's it just gets into your heart somehow. It's um, one of the reasons we live in Utah is that it's so similar to Chile. In the north of Utah, we have something similar to Patagonia, and in the south, we have something similar to the Atacama. So it's as close as I can get and still live in the U.S., I think. I think so, yes. I think you also are like a smart person who chooses, you know, where to live and where to travel and where to share, yeah. I'm uh, a slave to, uh, to beautiful places, I think. What makes you stay in Calafate? I mean, this is, a, this is a tiny town. You must really love the landscape and the people and the calling of your work. I think it's, yeah, it's, it's a good question because in many, many years I haven't changed. And I'm very uh, decided to stay here. I mean, this is a place where I want to live. And so every morning, like every day, I keep on choosing the place where I live and work. So it's ever-changing and you never get tired of landscapes and nature. It's quiet. I love working with the people I work with. I'm very proud of my, my staff. And I enjoy a lot doing what I do. So I think that, that would be the, the answer to your question, yeah. How would you describe Eolo? Eolo doesn't have much... Uh, I mean doesn't want to be more than it is. Yeah, I think Iolo is it's a unique place surrounded by by unique nature and magic landscape. And we we provide simple things which are well, obviously nature which is unsurpassable. It's 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 magnificent. And the people are, are the highlight. So the experience of guests staying here would be the warmth of the, of the staff and like being hosted in a, in a family house. Obviously, the food is going to warm up hearts as well. So yeah, like all that mixture, nature, people, and, and good cuisine. It, it is like a... A very warm and welcoming family home. For sure, the food is a highlight. Yes, yes. Uh, it's, it's like you say, it's not so big. So in a way, it has a, the precise amount of rooms to be able to deliver a very personalized service and be very attentive to details and take care of you know, people's needs in, in, in ways of you know, food and, and other preferences because being isolated and being in a place which is not close to Buenos Aires and even not too close to town, uh, sometimes things are a little bit more difficult to, to provide, but we know we have to be up to that expectations, yes. It, it would seem that running a luxury hotel in a remote place like Eolo could be a, a challenge. Sometimes guests need or request things that are not immediately available. It is, it is, but I guess 
through these years, we have been more proactive. And, and like, I, like I said before, my travel experiences have taught me how to, how to be ahead of people's needs and expectations. So now we are more aware and the people I work with of, of this kind of thing. So uh, depending on, on what we can provide here, or what we can get in, in Calafate specifically, or in Patagonia as a region, uh, we, we're happy. I mean, we, we know we're doing the things that people are, are waiting for. Does Eolo have a motto? Is there a goal that you have for each guest? I would say in the beginning, and this may, may sound a little bit uh, cliche, uh, it was the luxury of simple things, yeah? But I think it represents, it still represents us. Uh, we do not want to be over luxurious. And I think that we, what we do is correct in its way and people appreciate it. So we trust a lot in nature around us and we try to respect whatever surrounds us. So yeah. I would say the luxury of the simple things. The house itself, the furnishings are quite simple and very comfortable, but uh, the focus is always the windows in, uh, in three directions, and maybe more, but I think in three directions. You have panoramic windows, uh, and in a few of the rooms, two of the rooms, you can have a corner room that looks out on a lake and on the the mountains it is it is not pretentious so the like the outside the facade is very simple it's the way the estancias in patagonia were built by these pioneers as creole or uh europeans who came into into patagonia in the early 1900s and in the inside the warmth of you know materials the wool and antique furniture also to to recreate the story of this this first settlers and uh, the expansive views of the windows which go from floor to ceiling and these corner rooms like you said that have are only two and obviously are the nicest and they have two big windows overlooking two different views but you know even standard rooms have a, a large window that allows you to, you know, to, to get into nature, yeah. How many nights do most guests come to Eolo? People say like two to three nights, and that gives people the chance of exploring, obviously, the, the major attraction in Patagonia, the Perito Moreno Glacier. And I, an extra night, to this two or three would offer them the chance to to enjoy the property you know and not being outdoors every day and also do part of the activities that we can that we offer here like horse ridings which like you said when you came with the father uh was cling to your to your memories yeah. so typically the season when lodges such as Aolo are open is from October to maybe early to mid-April. 
Is that how you're operating these days? Yes. Uh, well, last year we opened in November, expecting less less people coming. But when Argentina opened its its borders and allowed foreign people to come, uh, it was actually like a normal season. So now we're going to be closing by by the end of April, which is our our normal normal season. So early October, mid September to late April, beginning of May. That's standard season to us here in Patagonia. That's the warm season. So seasons are reversed in South America, right? When it's winter in North America, it's summer in South America, which is terrific. Uh, you can ski year round if you're willing to fly. And, <laughs> yes, you and can. Vice versa. You can enjoy warm weather or relatively warm weather year round. So for Patagonia, the wind is always a factor. Um, any recommendations on what people should bring? Well, the wind is a factor, yeah. And Eolo is a great god of the wind. So we took the name and we honor, you know, the forces of nature. Uh, in order for, you know, to give you some, some advice on what to bring. So people who live in the U.S. are pretty much used to, you know, to cold temperatures and, you know, and, and weather conditions. So layers is the best way to get dressed in Patagonia. You know, we always say that you should dress like onions and, you know, take layers or put on layers. So, yeah. If you could recommend one off the beaten track activity for a guest who's, let's say, very active, what would you advise? For people who are very active, you know, even though it may be part of their programs, when, when organizing a trip to, to Patagonia, Chalten is my favorite spot in, in this part of, of the world. So there's very nice tricks to do on your own and be solo in the mountain, which is one of my favorite things to do. So in a, in a way, Chalten as a destination itself would be my place. But obviously, um, I'm stuck here in Leolo in Calafate, which is <laughs> the place I choose to work with. So I don't think you're stuck. You're, <laughs> you're happy there. So um, yeah. El Chalten, it's about a two and a half hour drive. The drive is beautiful, but you could leave very early from Eolo and still make it to the trailhead for, say, like Laguna de los Tres and go see the Fitzroy Massif and still make it back to the town of Chalten and possibly back to, uh, to Eolo in time for a late dinner. Indeed. And, and that's the advantage of, you know, being open during the, the spring and the summer, in which days are extremely long. <laughs> and so you can, you can start early in the morning by 7 in the morning, and the sun will be already up uh, an hour ahead and be back at Iolo by 8 p.m. And there's going to be like three hours ahead of, of sun. So... Yes, I, we, we strongly recommend people who, who do not have the chance perhaps to stay in Chalten as a post-trip or you know, as an extension to go 
and and give it a try and you know drive to Chelten, hike up to Laguna los Tres, and hike down and and drive back to Eolo. And that is uh, an experience that no one we have recommended them to do has you know has has been unhappy with. Yeah. No. No. If you if you don't like that, we can't help you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, you'd rather stay home. Yeah, there's no help for you. I mean, a lot of people have the idea that Patagonia is only an active destination, and for sure, there's there's plenty to do there. You can you can hike your feet off every day, or ride horses, or go glacier trekking. Uh, you can go sailing, fishing, bird watching. It's plenty to do, but you know we have plenty of guests too who are, let's say, maybe in their later years and maybe less active or less feeling less energetic or you know the difficulties of travel the time of travel takes its toll and and maybe they like to do something but don't have quite the same level of interest or or energy as maybe some of their younger you know co-travelers we have a lot of uh, multi-generational families and so sometimes the grandparents will want to do one thing and the the children and and uh, grandchildren will choose something else. What would you advise for someone maybe who wants to do something less intensive? It happens all the time. Like we, we get families and, and we get, you know, elders or young, young kids and we can adapt in a way and offer them alternatives, you know, a laid back atmosphere here, uh, so enjoy good food, good wine, and sit in a room with a lovely view and read a book, zip in a glass of wine. And we also try to contage them and, you know, push them into doing some things outdoors. And, you know, there's very easy trails to do around the Estancia. And to our surprise, some people who, who perhaps thought they would never get on a horse after many years, uh, when when being explained that it's it's a very easy activity and and that they're able to do it, they come back, you know, excited and you know re rejuvenated. So yes, it's 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 many things that you can do here. There's boat trips that do not require too much effort, and they take you easily to see glaciers, which in other places in the world would require hiking or, you know, or lifts or whatever. And the Perito Moreno itself, the highlight of, of Patagonia, of Calafate and our region, is easily accessed by road. So you just have to drive up there and sit in front of the glacier and hear to the ice cracking and just admire and and yeah, it's unforgettable. If, I, if memory serves, you're about one hour by road from the door of Aolo to the national park entrance, and then maybe another fifteen minutes to the glacier trailhead. It is. It is. It's just an hour drive on paved road from from Aolo to to the national park, and you know the parking area from where you can access the viewpoints are it's it's all very pretty accessible and 
So you don't need much. Just have the energy and have the will and see one of the beauties, which is, you know, world heritage. Uh, so it's something that you have to see in your lifetime. This glacier is miles and miles long and possibly a mile across and hundreds of feet high. And it, it sort of grows, reaches the peninsula where the catwalks are. And then every, I don't know how often, but regularly, the connection breaks. The force of the ice crushes the ice dam that is formed. Uh, and the connection is broken again. And the cycle repeats seasonally, I would think. Yeah, you couldn't have explained it better. It's, it's like that. It's precisely like that. Yeah. This glacier is one of the few which are stable inside of the National Park. And it moves and advances every day, like a, like a frozen river. So when it touches the peninsula, it creates this natural dam. And regularly, after a couple of years, when the, the, the water is blocked and creates this, this natural rupture of the Veritonia, but there's still calvings and you know, pieces of ice falling like a 20-story building from the front of the glacier that you can see just you know, sitting in front of the glacier on this viewpoints or catwalks in and front of the glacier catwalks itself. Catwalks are yeah. very easy to access. Uh, it's not a difficult hike. They're all sort of steel frame grids. You don't need special shoes. Um, you know, something with some tread might help, but you don't need hiking boots or anything. Just a regular walking shoe no, would be no, ideal. No, no, no. Exactly. Exactly. Like any regular walking shoes and, you know, comfortable clothes. And there's also paths which are for, you know, people who have some disabilities. So, yes, not, not much to do, but just admire nature itself. But if you wanted to go crazy, you could go on a multi-day trek over, say, the pass from Helsingfors to Estancia Cristina, or you could go kayaking on a river. There's plenty for everyone here. This is a vast area with lots of uh, topographic diversity and plenty of cultural It is. Attraction. Uh... It is, it is. Uh, there's multiple options for, for varied people. And I think the people are, you know, are, the locals are, are always very open to, to sharing their passion for, for the land. So the, that kind of experience is what, what creates this kind of memories. So yeah, you're going to meet always someone who's going to be very passionate about the, the, the land we live in and is going to share that, that experience. It's often the case that when clients are coming from North America or Europe to visit Patagonia, their travel schedule, let's say they have two weeks to travel, they're trying to see both sides of the Andes. They want to see the Chilean Patagonia and they want to see the Argentine Patagonia. And this is an enormous area, so to try and see everything is untenable, but they want to see as much as they can. So it's often the case that someone's either starting in Santiago 
heading down south, visiting maybe northern Patagonia and the Lake District, and then headed down to Torres del Paine. Then they cross the border to Argentina, and they're in your neighborhood. And then they'll head north, either to San Martín de los Andes or to uh, El Chalten, or maybe they'll just head north and, and, and finish in Mendoza or Buenos Aires. Is that commonly the case with your clients? They're trying to see as much of Patagonia as they can, or do people come just to see Calafate? No, I think it's much of what you explained in such itineraries. You know, on my experience, people want to cover pretty much everything, and then they realize when they come that there's a lot more to see either in Chile or in Argentina. And we're very related here in Patagonia. We're very close. So, you know, some people think that if they explore the Chilean side of Patagonia, they do not have to explore the Argentinian side. And when they, you know, when, when they do it, they realize it was, it was not correct. I mean, there's many differences between the, the Chilean Patagonia and the Argentinian Patagonia. And they both are beautiful and they, they do not compete between each other. Yeah. No, it's, it's in some parts of Patagonia, it's very different. In the north, it's more temperate rainforest near the coast in Chile. Whereas where, I, where you're located, it's more rolling steppe land and, you know, yellow grasses and ice blue lakes. But the mountains are there. It's really not that, all that different um, in terms of climate from what you find on the Chilean side, just a few hours, to, few hours drive to the, to the west. And what's surprising to people is though it, it took them several hours to cross the border and make it from Torres del Paine to El Calafate. If you look on the map, you could probably drive from point to point in 45 minutes if the border were a, a viable option. Well, different, yes, yes. Uh, or, or ride a horse, you know, from, from one country to the other across the, across the, the mountains. That's on and my list, of course. That's on, that's on your list, yeah. yes. So, yeah, we have to do something like that, you know. Let's go. <laughs> let's, let's do it, yeah. Let's go. Let's bring some friends. Uh huh. Are there any are there any common myths about visiting your region or misconceptions? I would say nothing that's mis misunderstood uh, or 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 a misconception itself. I think it's like I said at the beginning, uh, the myth around Patagonia. Perhaps the the distances would be like a myth around Patagonia, but it's true. You have to drive, and you have to, and you have to go from one point to the other, and that would be the only thing that you know people may be a little bit daunted about traveling to Patagonia. But then, when they experience it, it's in itself. It's it's what they they have to do. No, yeah. It reminds me of the most beautiful parts of the North American West, where. Yes, it's a five-hour drive, but were you enriched by the landscape and the scenery on that drive? Mm -hmm. Did you... Yeah. I remember meeting some very funny gauchos at a truck stop uh, <laughs> maybe an hour and a half outside of El Calafate, and these guys were entertainers. It was... I took a video, but it was, uh, it was a very special experience. 
Yes, yes, and then there's miles and miles in which you 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 won't find any gas station or you know coffee coffee shop stop, and but then you come across people or you see you know gauchos herding sheep or you know mountains and glacier lakes and yeah and open spaces and and guanaco herds you know running across the road, so yeah in a way it's very much like like Africa and without without that much wildlife but but that's that's the thing around Patagonia and it has to be like that so so what's next for Aolo you've been operating successfully for more than 15 years you only have what six, 16 rooms i think 17 okay 17 you have a little spa massage room. You have a beautiful restaurant and some, some lounges. But you're in the middle of a working estancia. So it's not like you need much more. Are there any plans to change or alter? We have. And since you, since you last came, the, the spa area has been renewed. So the pool now does not exist anymore. We have an outdoor jacuzzi. <laughs> okay, you know, we, we, yeah, we get bored eventually. So we, we have to do new things. Otherwise, you know, I, I would have to switch jobs or places. So yeah, I need to do some renewals every year. So we take the off season to, to renew things and to plan in a way what's going to be next. Uh, if we were to do something bigger, and given the the structure, it's a little bit difficult. But you know, perhaps doing some renewals in the in the rooms would would add up more to to the experience. Okay, so just renovations. Yeah. I, if, to me, it's the perfect size. If I uh -huh. could, if I could convince Rodrigo to never build another room there, I would be grateful. Even though I curse it in the high season when I need one more room for that family that needs four rooms. Yeah, but you were able to bring most of your clients and especially good ones and important ones. So speaking of renewal, you know, you're in a remote place and I, I lived on an island for three years and there were many times that I thought to myself, I've got to get off this thing. You're in the middle of a vast landscape and I know that you love to travel in your off season. Um, where's... Where next for you? What's on your list? What's next for me? Um, yeah, I, I love to travel in my off season, and I, you know, I work hard during the season in order to pay for for my holidays. So I've traveled a lot, and this year during the pandemics, I thought I needed to activate my mind. So I started uh, learning Arabic, and I think my next step is visiting any, any country that speaks and writes in Arabic. Because, Great. yeah. While you've been traveling, have you had any experiences that have made you think, oh, we should do that at Aeolo? Well, yes. You know, actually, one of my, my favorite trips was to Africa, in which... Uh, I had the chance of staying at Londolosi, which is a relationship property close to Kruger National Park. And on one of these safaris, they stopped in the middle of the, 
of the jungle of the of the step and they surprised us with a with a breakfast set in the middle uh, of our safari and i came back to iolo on that same season and i i thought i have to do this and you know on that same year i had the the honor of you know having a celebrity which was one of your very special clients and after they had gone for a horse ride Thank with you for our not chef saying the name okay we won't but it was very very special and we felt very very honored to have her it was a her yeah <laughs> and, and so we we set a special table and we had the the, uh, the chef cook for her and her fiance and they didn't expect it and and it was okay it was very challenging and we 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 thought we would not be able to do it because uh weather conditions are are very dependent and it was a perfect day it was a brilliant day and i think we enjoyed it more than they did but i, I think they, they also enjoyed it yeah <laughs> i'm sure they enjoyed it the smile yeah. looks real okay on the photo that i okay that i was sent so when you're away though when you're traveling do you feel the tug do you feel the pull of patagonia don't you miss it yes and that's the reason why i keep on coming back you know ever since the first time i came uh i need to come back and you know i question myself if i have to live another experience but then when I come, I want to start a new season. Uh, I think it's the right choice. So, yeah, yeah, I, you know, Patagonia has a strong magnetism. You, it either kicks you off or you fall in love with the land. Yeah, I, it has yeah. infected me terribly. And uh, the past. It does many minds and many souls and many hearts. Yeah. Luckily, I have an analog here to satisfy some of my longing, but. Uh... I must get back. You have to come back soon. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and you came can. with your father, you came with your, with your wife, and now it's time for, for the girls to come to Patagonia. Well, it's likely that my eldest daughter will be working with a mutual friend of ours in Buenos Aires soon. So when that happens, uh -huh. if she chooses that, then for sure I'm coming. You have the right, the perfect excuse to come. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't know how to explain it. You're one of those people, I think you live well. I think you've figured it out. You know where the meaning is. Well, John, my friend, I appreciate all your, your things. Yeah. Uh, likewise, I think, like I said, uh, there was a bond that was created at that time. And I think we all, we both know what the other one needs and will require and and that trust and that confidence has you know has brought us here you know to have this conversation which we can talk like sitting in front of a coffee and you know seeing each other yeah I, I hope we can do that in person soon the trust is the currency that's really what we're trading in do you trust yes me? when yeah, i send yeah. clients to aolo i I just know they're in perfect hands. 
Well, but please, I mean, if you have to bother me, you, you, you won't ever bother me. So just, you know, you know, give me a call or send me a text and, and we'll, we'll do things even more special, which that's also the idea, you know, treating everyone as special uh, is, is the best way to treat everyone yeah. in, in, indeed, correct, yes. Well, man, I, I, I love catching up with you. Thank you so much. Uh, my best to you and yours and to all the staff and give my, my sentiments to Rodrigo as well. I hope to see that. I will. School. Well, John, send my best regards to Erin and, you know, everyone there in your office, you know, all your colleagues and all your coworkers. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, be well. Un abrazo grande. If you'd like to know more about custom travel in Latin America and the Antarctic, reach out to us at landedtravel.com. Since 2006, Landed's success has been built on word-of-mouth referrals. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to rate the podcast or share it with a friend. Thank you for listening.